Okay, I hope now that we understand our necessity as Christians in our task to put sin to death. Uh, remember, this is the idea that ties together our entire study. The choicest of believers who are assuredly freed from their condemning power of sin ought yet to make it their business all of their days to mortifying the indwelling power of sin. Uh, from here, John Owen lays out the landscape of our journey. Uh, first, he wants us to understand what would actually happen if we actually took up this task. So that's our goal today, to answer this question. What is it like to actually put sin to death? But let's back up for a second. Uh, we're talking about specific sins and specific sinful desires. Hebrews 12 says that we must put off the sin which clings so closely. So, which sin clings closest to you? Is it substance abuse? Perpetual lying? Anxiety? Envy? Sexual lust? Laziness? Gluttony? Self-righteousness? Anger? We, have, we all have indwelling sin. Uh, let's use an example throughout this session, okay? Um, how about covetousness? Covetousness is craving ownership of something uh, you don't own. And Colossians 3 says that covetousness is idolatry. So, before John Owen allows us to understand what mortification actually is, he wants us to get what it isn't. And I think that's a helpful place to start because I've noticed in, in my own walk with Christ, and maybe you have too, that I've had some false hopes and false expectations of what growing in holiness actually is. Okay, well first, putting sin to death, like covetousness, is not the utter destruction of sin. Okay, in the afterlife, when Christians are resurrected with Jesus in new bodies, sin will be utterly destroyed. But in this life, that's not going to be accomplished. The Apostle Paul affirmed this in Philippians 3, verse 10 to 12, saying, That by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me His own. As long as we are in these bodies, sin will still remain. But take hope in the promise of the resurrection, and expect that this will be a fight until we're resurrected with the Lord. Also, a putting sin to death is not the dissimulation of sin. I had to look that word up. Dictionary.com defines this word as to disguise or conceal under false appearance. Uh, thesaurus.com relates this word to others like concealment, cover-up, deceit, yeah, so we might be able to hide our sin from other people, but that doesn't mean that we've put that sin to death. The author says that God knows something about people who think they're okay because their sin is hidden. He says, God knows that to his former iniquity, he has added cursed hypocrisy and now is on a safer path to hell than he was before. Okay, so it's not the utter destruction of sin. Uh, it's not covering up sin. It's also not becoming more quiet and sedated in your walk with Christ. 
John Owen recognizes that some sins are a lot more overtly obvious than others, and as a result, are a lot more um, disruptive and louder than others. For instance, uncontrolled anger is a sin that is loud and disruptive to many, especially our loved ones. Uh, people are going to see uncontrolled anger. It's going to be loud and disruptive, but covetousness, even when it's uncontrolled, might just occur in our minds, and people might not see its effects. John Owen cautions us in this way. Don't assess the severity of your sin based on how destructive or how quiet it is. Internal and quiet sins are sins that still need to be put to death and that keep us from abundant life in the Spirit. Putting sin to death is not the diversion of your desires from one sin to another. Uh, we don't just want to be putting to death the sinful behavior. We want to be putting to death the sinful desire. And that's in the heart. Putting sin to death isn't discarding the rotten fruit of the tree. It's tearing out the unhealthy root of the tree so healthy ones can grow in its place and produce healthy fruit. Uh, let's go back to our case study, okay? Uh, maybe all of a sudden you find yourself uh, coveting less, but now you're complaining more. Uh, the fruit might have been changed, but the root of your heart still remains. The sinful root of desire behind that could be pride or entitlement or doubt that God could provide. The craving hasn't been killed, it's only been diverted. And John Owen says that you can change your master, but that doesn't mean you're not a slave. We're aiming at the heart, not just behavior. Okay, last thing mortification of sin isn't. It isn't just occasional victories over sin. There's two ideas behind this concept. The first one I would say in my own words like this. Uh, there's no off-season for putting sin to death. Maybe you've experienced something like this in your walk with Christ. You heard a great sermon that really convicted you, and you were determined to repent of your sin. And what seemed like genuine change was actually happening. You were fighting and resisting temptation. Uh, you're loading your mind and your conscience with, with gospel truths. But then after some time, when it seemed like you, you won the battle, you went into off-season mode because you thought you didn't have to fight anymore. We're not putting sin to death unless we're always putting sin to death. The second idea behind this concept of occasional victories is the same thing that the Apostle Paul calls worldly grief. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says this, for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. We should be grieved over our sin, and grieving our sin will allow us to leave our sin if we're grieving for the right reasons. If you see victory in your struggle against sin for only a season, then it comes back full force. It could be that you were only grieved about the consequences that inconvenienced your own life, but you weren't having a godly grief about the wretchedness of sin in God's eyes. Take covetousness again. A covetous person might end up stealing, 
and get caught. But if you're only grieved that you got caught and you're not grieved that you sinned against God, you won't be motivated to genuinely be putting sin to death. You'll only be reordering your thinking for the moment so you can get rid of that guilty feeling and move on with your life. If this is our mindset, we'll go on right back to sinning as soon as it's convenient again. Okay, that's what putting sin to death isn't. So then, what is it? Uh, the first one gives me uh, so much hope. Uh, first, putting sin to death means that the desire for the sin and the practice of sinning will be weakened and will be weakening day by day. The more sin is weakened, the less we will obey its evil passions and the more we will offer ourselves in obedience to Christ. Putting sin to death weakens sin as a criminal being crucified is weakened. Okay, well how is it weakened? By crucifying it. Galatians 5.24 says that Christians have crucified the flesh and its desires. It's a graphic image, but to understand this, we need to think about the, the barbaric torture of crucifixion. Um, when a human being is, is nailed to a plank of wood and he knows that his slow death has begun, that person is going to scream out in torment. Same with sin. Jesus suffered for our sins so that we could be saved from our sins. And for each of us who have repented and have believed in the gospel, our sin has been nailed to the cross with Christ and its doom is upon it. Now it's just crying out to hold on like a man being crucified. But as a body hangs on a cross for hours and hours, his strength will weaken, his screams will diminish, the torture of crucifixion is less about the piercing of the nails and more about the weight of the body hanging on those nails. Hanging like this makes breathing unbearably painful. Uh, the criminal must uh, press down on their feet, lifting up with their aching chest and just suffering to gasp for another breath of air. And after hours and hours of hanging like this, their strength will be weakened, spent, and the once loud voice will finally be quiet and dead. That's what it's like for a Christian to be putting sin to death. God himself will strike the final blow in the last day when we are resurrected with him, but now we must keep torturing it. So have this mindset. Set about day by day to torture your evil desires with the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Set about day by day to gag your flesh with the grace of the gospel. In this way alone, we will offer ourselves in obedience to Christ and not be slaves to sin. In this way alone, we will enjoy the promise of abundant life in the Spirit. Uh, there's more. Uh, putting sin to death also means that we will be constantly fighting and contending against sin. Okay, well, how? Uh, well, start by recognizing that you actually have an enemy that you must be putting to death. 
Sin is more than a nuisance. A housefly that you can't swat is a nuisance. Sin is more than an inconvenience. A party guest that won't leave after you've given all of the hints that the party's over, that's an inconvenience. We need to start seeing sin the way God does. Like in Genesis 4-7, which says, Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. We, we can't rule over it, but Christ has given us his power over it to us, the Holy Spirit. And sin's ready to attack, so we got to be ready to fight back. And know that you have an enemy. And know his tactics so that you can launch a, a counterattack. Uh, John Owen said, to be always in readiness is a good part of our warfare. Such a one never thinks his lust is dead because it's quiet, but labors to give it new wounds, new blows every day. So take hope in this. Putting sin to death means, thirdly, that we will see frequent success. We will find success in resisting temptation, uh, in starving sin, in inflicting blows upon it when we counter its deceitful lies with the grace of God and, and, the, and the truth of Scripture. We will find success in enjoying the abundance of life as we eagerly walk by the Spirit. Galatians 5.17 says, Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I trust that this session has given you uh, clarity and given you hope. Putting sin to death means that sin's influence will be weakened. It means that we will be fighting every day. And it means that in the power of the Spirit, we will be seeing success. Romans 8.13 is a promise to all believers. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live.